Welcome back to episode 195 of Tall Boy Radio. And as we always say, who knows where it goes when the beer flows well. The beer is flowing north tonight to Lancashire or maybe North Yorkshire, depending on your point of view. But we're going to be talking about something in Lancashire. And we're get, our guest is, however, in North Yorkshire, whereas my host is sat about a foot to the left of me. Yeah, evening all, evening the world. Really looking forward to this. I say it most weeks now, and, and it's great when we have uh, guests on our podcast, and it's great when we have somebody that hasn't been on our podcast before. So always, always look forward to listening to what they have to offer and just delving a little bit deeper into stories that perhaps that they might share with us. Indeed, indeed. So as guys there hinted, we have a new guest on the podcast. Lindsay, did you want to say hello and tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and what you're going to be talking about tonight? Hello. So my name's Lindsay, and as you've just pointed out, I'm slightly in North Yorkshire, just on the Lancashire border. I can see Pendle Hill from the front of my house, uh, which is what, one of the things we're going to be talking about this evening. Unfortunately, there's no beer flowing here. I've got a cup of rather tepid tea. Is it Yorkshire <laughs> tea, though? It's cold while we've been tattering. <laughs> So is it Yorkshire tea, is Gary? No, oh, sorry. No, it's not Yorkshire tea. It's some ropey thing that my son left behind when he went back to university. <laughs> well, that's that myth busted. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yorkshire, Yorkshire tea. Done, done. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, so Pendle Hill. Pendle Hill has a place in my heart because my mum, although born in South Wales, they moved to Lancashire when she was in her teenage years, and it's a place I've visited many, many times. She lived in Clitheroe, which is very, very near to Pendle Hill. But Pendle Hill has a very, very interesting history. Did you want to tell us a little bit about why people may have heard of it? Pendle Hill, as the name suggests, is a rather large hill. The name actually means Pendle, means hill, hill. And then we've added hill onto the end of it, so it's hill, hill, hill. Uh, there's quite a few hills in this country with with a similar name, really. But Pendle Hill is the biggest natural landmark in East Lancashire, basically. You cannot go anywhere in this region without seeing it somewhere. And it really confuses you because where whatever direction you're heading, the hill seems to go in a different direction. You can always see it, but it swaps sides of the road. Sometimes it's in front of you, sometimes it's behind you, but it's always there lurking. And there's an old saying here that if there's clouds on top of Pendle Hill, it's raining. If there's no clouds at the top of Pendle Hill, it's going to rain later. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it dominates yeah, it the landscape. Yeah, it is a very, very rainy part of a very, very rainy country if you're listening in one of the 61 countries that aren't the UK. But so, strangely, yeah, so... it's been, we had our, our river, we, the, the Ribble, the River Ribble is about 200 metres from the back of my house and it broke its bank, banks for the first time this year over the over the weekend, even though it's been about 20 odd degrees. So it's really it's been really sunny and hot, which is very strange for this time of year. And it really yeah. should get back to being rainy and soon. Yeah, but not too soon. Well, let's make the most <laughs> of it for a little bit longer. <laughs> yes. So Pendle Hill, like you say, harking back to the 1600s, there's a uh -huh. very, very famous trial that took place there. Did you want to tell us a little bit about the protagonists and the characters that, that made up this story? Yeah, so various things have happened on Pendle Hill. There's been some famous scientific experiments into air pressure. 
there was a, a guy who climbed to the top of Pendle Hill, had a vision of God, and then created the Quaker re religion. But the, by far the most famous thing that's happened in Pendle is the Pendle Witch Trials of 1612. So in 1612, I'll, I'll go back to the, to the, to the very beginning. On, on March the 18th, 1612, a young girl called Alison Device was walking along the path to Markey in Trawden, which is kind of south of here. And on the way, Alison was a, a poor country girl from the forest of Pendle. She was 17 years old. And for the most part, she made her living, like the rest of her family, by begging. And she was walking to the market with, with her dog, as the story goes. And she came across a peddler called John Law, who was quite a well-known local, local character. And she asked John Law if she could have some pins. But he, he pretty much told her to get lost. He wouldn't open his pack. He was carrying a big backpack. He wouldn't open his pack for her. Probably called her some names. Wasn't It wasn't a very nice confrontation. And he walked off along down the path because he wanted to get to the pub in Colm. He had finished his day, didn't want to sell any more stuff. And he certainly didn't want to give anything away for free. Pins were a really important item for women in particular, at the beginning of the 17th century, they were used to hold your clothes together. They could be used to hold papers together. They were really essential household items, but they were actually quite costly. So Alison really needed some pins and she was cross. And people in, in, the, in the area would ignore her and shout at her because she was a beggar and a nuisance. And her family were well known for, being, for having a bad reputation and for being notorious witches. So Alison wasn't, very best, wasn't, wasn't best pleased with, with John Law for not giving her the pins. So allegedly she cursed him, which was probably in, in as much as she called him names or shouted something rude at him or muttered under her breath or whispered something as he went by. But he carried on down the path and just got a few yards further and he collapsed and he was in an insensible heap on the ground, if you like. His face had drooped and he was described as having a, a kind of deform, deformity down one side of his body. And in modern times, we would we would recognise that quite easily as, as being a stroke. Mm. But 1612, at the height of all of the, the witch craze perpetuated by books like Demonology written by James I or James VI of Scotland, which dominated the, the religious and political culture of the time, curses were very, very real. And so some, some people came and they picked John Law up off the ground and escorted him back to the inn in Colm. And from there, along with all the, the local gossips and the inhabitants of the, of the inn, this whole story about Alison having cursed him in, into this terrible condition, she had smited him, if you like, and caused him this great harm, came about. And Alison was, was mortified and she actually went to the inn and went to John Law's bedside and begged forgiveness. She fully believed that she had, her curse had worked if it was a curse, and that she had caused this to happen to him. So she pretty much got down on her knees and, and begged forgiveness. And at that time, John was quite happy with that. He was like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> he said, sorry, that's fine. But someone at the inn sent for his son, Abraham, who came from Halifax, and he was absolutely incensed to see the state of his father, who was now very, very poorly, having suffered this stroke. 
And he he informed the, the local magistrate or justice of the peace, Roger Knoll, who then instigated one of the most famous witch trials that's ever happened in England. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that in itself is quite unique. Uh, the, the, the bit that really grasped me about this story, guys, I don't know about you, is that this lady actually believed that she genuinely had placed a curse mm. on him. And I guess that tells us a little bit about the time. Lancashire, is, at, at the time itself, wasn't, I'm choosing words carefully now for folks that do live in Lancashire now, wasn't <laughs> the nicest area, was it? It was a bit lawless. Lancashire was known, it had a notorious reputation as being a lawless and wild corner tucked away in the northwest of England, where it was a it was known as a Catholic stronghold. So Catholics and witches could kind of roam around at, at will doing their thing. In fact, the, the house that I live in is was built in 1610. And oh, wow. the, the family who built it were fined, lived, lived elsewhere in Yorkshire, and they were fined by Henry VIII in the previous century for holding, a, for holding Catholic mass. So they moved over here <laughs> to Lancashire, which, which I think is really fascinating. You can't see it at the moment because, unfortunately, there is a massive box of paperwork that's too heavy for me to lift. But there's a priest hole to my right on the ground, um, which is like a little secret cupboard that you, your your priest could could be hidden in at a moment's notice so that the authorities wouldn't find them when they came knocking on your door. And that's under cool. my desk, just just right here, there's a flagstone in the floor and if you lift the flagstone, there's an escape tunnel. So said priest, if there was time, rather than going in the cupboard, could go down the hole and travel about 50 metres into the field beyond the house, down a little hill and escape into the into the night. That's mad. That's cool. That is cool. <laughs> That's cool. So, Do you yes. want one in your house? That'd be nice. <laughs> what, under, under the road to come to your house? Yeah. <laughs> Same time. <laughs> the beer yeah. tunnel. Yeah, f- funnily enough, enough where we live there's a place called the old hall in sandbach and it's over the road from a church and that has tunnels which escape into it now the old hall in sandbach is famously one of the most haunted mm-hmm. buildings in the uk and uh, okay. part of this is, is because of the 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 priests and what have you that would escape under into and this is the bit where it's quite poorly planned the back of a fireplace <laughs> <laughs> okay so as you can imagine, there's a few there that then had to uh, run the risk of the flames to try and escape from their persecutors, which wow. obviously at the time would have been old Oliver Cromwell, would it? That's the new history yeah. there, Gather. Yeah, you are. You are. I'm trying to, trying to think whether it would be him. I, I'm, I'll take your word for that. Add that one. Indeed. So as indeed. well as the as well as the big list of of witches from Pendle, there were a group of three women from a place called Salmsbury, which is which is near British Aerospace on the A59 towards Preston. And at Salmsbury Hall, there's there's a, a, a beautiful hall with a big fireplace in the in the, in the great hall, and there's a priest hole in the side of the fireplace there too. Wow! Wow! That's so, mad, yeah, isn't it? it is mad. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously getting back to sort of Pendle Hill and and, and the, the witch story and 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 I'll confess I I'd heard of the story I didn't know huge amounts about it I think from you know various quizzes that you go to and there's a question on it and stuff so I, my, my knowledge of it wasn't very great but I, I my understanding was that there were two families or there was there were like rival families that then that they they were placed on trial or something is is that right is that correct 
Yeah. So there, there were two main families who, who were known or felt to be witches in the Forest right. of Pendle at the time. So there was the Dem, Demdike family and the Chattox family, as they're known. Those aren't proper names. They're, they're kind of nicknames. Right. So Elizabeth Southerns was an old blind lady in her 80s who who is also known as the the Demdike which has various translations that the the main one that floats around is demon woman right okay and elizabeth suddens had a friend or or an enemy depending on on who you talk to called anne whittle who was another old lady in her 80s called chattox and that name comes from the fact that she she seemed to mutter under her breath all of the time and they they were rivals and accused each other of all kinds of things. They were they were what is known as cunning women. So they were the the women in your local village or your local area who who would supply charms and remedies. So remedies against warts and colds and and all of the things that would afflict you if you if you lived in in a rural area in the seventeenth yeah. century. And Anne Whittle had a daughter called Anne Redfern. And Elizabeth Southerns had a daughter called Elizabeth, who was the mother of Alison Device, who tried to beg the pins from John Law. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So when when Alison Device was arrested by Roger Knoll, the local justice of the peace, as part of her inquisition, if you like, she implicated her grandmother. Uh, for being a witch and for introducing her to the to the devil and and the the ways of witchcraft, she also implicated Anne Whittle or Chattox and Anne Redfern, and those were the first four women who were carted off to Lancaster Jail to await trial. Right. Okay. Further down the line, all kinds of other family members and local people were implicated, as well as the Salmsbury witches who who have already touched on, and one yeah. one poor woman from Windle near St Helens. Oh, well, I've been to St Helens. That does explain a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I should as well just say hello to Stuart, who's watching, and hello to Ron in Texas. So, for these folks who are further afield there from Texas. Tell us a little bit about the Salisbury witches as well, because their fate was a little bit different, wasn't it, in the end? Yeah, so the Salisbury witches were Jane Southworth, who, who lived in Salisbury Hall, Janet Briley and Ellen Briley. And they were they were accused by a young lady called Grace Sauerbots of of witchcraft. And she came up with the most fantastic tales about them. The, the most horrific of which was that they they killed babies. They they drove a nail through the, the abdomen of a baby and drank its wow. blood and ate the baby and, and what have you as part of their spells. But it turned out that, that Grace was aided and abetted by a Catholic priest who fed her all of this information in return for tuition and who knows what else. And the, the upshot is that the Salmsbury witches, whilst it's a, a really good and gory story, were actually acquitted at the at the trial in August right. 1612. So so right. they, they got off quite quite well. Thank you very much. I'm not sure how Grace would have been dealt with afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so so what when, when we look back at it now and we hear about witchcraft, first of all, is it something that you believe in personally? Okay, that, that's a really interesting question. So 
and I might ask you the same question actually when I finish. In in the seventeenth century, especially after the the publication of Demonology, which which was published in fifteen ninety seven by James the first or, or James the sixth as he was at that time of Scotland, a witch was somebody who was always bad. They only did bad things. And they did those bad things by making a pact with the devil. So they sold their soul to the devil in order to gain money or food or fame or whatever it was that the devil happened to offer on that particular day. And if you were an enemy of God, you were also an enemy of the king. So it stood to reason that the king and the powers that be didn't like you very much. On the other hand, there were women like Elizabeth Southerns and and, Anne Whittle and, and others all over England and Scotland who who used charms and made potions, if you like, as they're known, or, or remedies for, for common ailments that inflicted people all the time. They would also have acted potentially as midwives. They will have laid out the dead. They will have given yeah. advice. They might have seen into the future and predicted outcomes for people. So they were very, very useful. They weren't the same as the witches who'd made a pact with the devil. That was a that was a very, very different thing. But obviously, if you if you talk about the supernatural and if you try to influence events, you walk a very fine line between being a cunning woman and being someone who could be accused of witchcraft. Yeah. And ultimately, really, you only had to be mostly a woman, although sometimes a man, to, to be accused. If if your face didn't fit, it would be very easy to call you a witch and come up with umpteen reasons why the death of your neighbour or the death of your neighbour's cat or cow or whatever was down to you. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious, just so the Pendle, the Pendle witch trial, w- would that be arguably the most famous witch trial in the UK history? So I'm just trying to compare it with, was it 1690? late 1690s so obviously in america you've got the salem witch trials and, and, and obviously lots and lots and lots of people are aware of the salem witch trial yeah and and i'm and i'm trying to sort of think is would the pendle witch trials be on that scale in terms of the knowledge of people was it really famous is it that famous is that story perpetuated over the generations and does it transcend you know not just people in the uk but would people around the world have heard it for example, because obviously the Salem witch trials, lots and lots of people from lots and lots of countries would have heard it. And, yeah. and obviously the Pendle trials would have been, what, what was, uh, about six, seventy years earlier, maybe, give or take. So I'm just curious as to what, what, where it would sit, yeah, where it would sit compared to them. So the Pendle witch trials are, there, there are lots of witch trials in this country and many, many more in Scotland. But the reason that the Pendle witch trials are so well known and why their legend endures is because they were so well documented. So the clerk of the court who documented the trial, which took place in August of of, um, 1612, wrote everything down and may have added a few embellishments, but he (laughs) literally sat and told the story of the trial and the um, everything that happened over the two days with a little bit of background and that document has survived and it still sells really well to 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 this day like copies of demonology for example but there are many other really well documented trials elsewhere we we know that people were were killed in scotland 
many people were were strangled and then burnt at the stake. In England, there were other trials, but none quite so well documented as the Pendle Pendle trials. And it's really interesting that, that you mention Salem, because one of the key things about the Pendle witch trials is that the star witness was a nine year old girl. And she was the youngest daughter and the youngest granddaughter of Elizabeth Southerns. So we've got Demdike, whose daughter was Elizabeth, whose daughter was Alison, whose sister was Janet. And Janet was kind of taken under the wing of Roginal and was probably coached extensively in what to say. And it was Janet's evidence in court that led to all of those executions, basically. Now, at the time, the, the, the debate about child witnesses in court is one that is still kind of relevant now. In, in modern times, children as young as three have been used as witnesses in court cases. And the, the criteria, if you like, for, use, for a child being a credible witness is that they understand the question and understand the implication of their answer. How, how you can ascertain that it, completely definitely, I, I don't really know. But Janet's use as a child witness was encouraged in in the work of, of James I, who felt that on the on the one hand, children could be unreliable, but it's that kind of out of the mouth of babes thing that you know never a true word is spoken, but is it by drunk people or children or something? Sounds <laughs> about <laughs> right. Yeah. So it then became enshrined in practice to use children as as witnesses in in witchcraft cases. So there's a a book uh, called Dalton's Country Justice, which was first published in 1618 in this country. And it actually cites Janet Preston as a child witness as precedent for future witchcraft cases. And that book was taken over to the colonies. It was taken to Virginia and then spread around the, the, the British colonies as they emerged in North America and was the precedent for the child witnesses being used and believed and kind of embraced in the Salem witch trials of 1692, which led to about, is it 19 people being hanged on the evidence of a group of young girls in Salem? And and, and I suppose, and and Stuart just asked a question there, what sort of punishment did some of the witches get if proven they were a witch? Well, I mean, obviously the old folk stories are such or the stories that you got told was that basically they were thrown in the river and if they drowned they weren't witches and if they came back up to surface they were witches at which point they were burned and they were killed anyway so you know and, and you're a bit like you sort of damned if you do you damned if you don't really so yeah absolutely if you, drown, if you drown you're not a witch and if you don't drown you must be a witch therefore burn you anyway um <laughs> yeah. you know so and i wonder whether or not that was so was the if you were found guilty of being a witch was it was it death or was it imprisonment, I suppose, which is what I want to ask. I don't know whether Stuart was thinking the same thing, but was it instantly you would be burned at the stake or would there be a period of imprisonment? There was, well, certainly for the Pendle witches, there was a period of imprisonment. Yeah. So Alison tried to tried to beg the pins on the 18th of March and her trial wasn't until August. Right. August the 18th and 19th. So... The initial four four women who, who were sent to trial will, will have been in jail for all of that time. So April, May, June, July, August, five months. And in fact, it was it was long enough for Elizabeth Southerns to, to die 
so so she died in jail awaiting trial she didn't actually okay. get to trial unfortunately they were kept in dreadful dreadful conditions there would have been jail fever or typhoid all kinds of rats and horrible things the the straw would never have been changed they would have been chained up in their own filth basically for months on end it was horrific there's also surprisingly a statistic that something like there was actually a 75% acquittal rate for people tried for witchcraft which a, a lot of the information we receive we receive about the witch trials is very sensational it is also very horrific but i was really surprised to to hear of this 75% acquittal rate and through the 17th century there was a big drive towards improving standards of evidence so in the in the pendle witch trials there was very little evidence whatsoever i mean in one there was a, I, i'm saying that this improved through the the 17th century but there, there was one which tried later on in the 17th century who the only evidence pretty much against her was that a, a, a toad jumped out of her wood pile or, or out of her milk pail or something. So therefore, she must have yeah. definitely been a witch. And the, the Pendle witches weren't accused of those cunning women type things. They weren't accused of making medicines or, uh, or poisoning people or or casting spells for the most part. They were actually accused of about 10 murders. Uh, and they were murders that they couldn't possibly have committed. And the the evidence that they confessed to and the evidence that they gave themselves mirrored exactly all of these things that um, James I had written down in demonology. So they used clay clay pictures, as they were called then, which were clay puppets or clay dolls, where you could make a, a little doll out of clay, stick pins in it or crumble it away or break its limbs off or whatever. And the person who you intended that, intended it to happen to would eventually die so if you crumbled your clay picture away over a week after the week the person would die and that's how the these people were were found guilty of of murders of people that were nowhere near them so is it true then that that a number of these uh, so-called witches actually believe that they were witches and they were guilty of these crimes or is or is that just a misappropriation perhaps of history it's really difficult to tell, I think. The the evidence that we have comes from the 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 testimonies given by those those people. And we don't know what kind of we suspect, but we don't know for sure that torture was involved in a lot of witch trials. There's no evidence to suggest that that happened in with the Pendle witches. But if you are hungry and cold and you literally live hand-to-mouth every day, and someone in power is telling you that they'll give you a hot meal if you say this, yeah. what would you say? What would you say? What would you be willing to do and admit to to survive? Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's quite sad, isn't it, really? It is quite sad that almost an ignorance is, is all that really that they were guilty of, not being particularly smart, not being particularly savvy. And unfortunately been quite poor you know and, and that's why they've been exploited yeah you see i obviously the, the the perception is that you know witches were extremely cunning that they would place curses upon you and actually that there was a hot there was a, a an aura of fear so 
if a witch came through your village you know it's like oh you, you you're going to be damned if you cross her and this and that and then they'll be throwing bells left right and center and they'll put curses on you and this that and the other and 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 i suppose i'm i'm slightly surprised to know that that maybe isn't necessarily the case and actually that there's a really high acquittal percentage and people because i think you do get a distorted view in as much as the perception is that if you were accused of witchcraft then actually you're absolutely shafted because you you basically will be burnt at the stake and and there was very very few people that survived that and very very few people that that got sort of acquitted but you know the 75 percent surprised me in as much as sort of back in the i suppose the middle ages the dark ages what whatever the, the, the phrase would be for that that time period there would be a perception that people were scared of witches and if there was an if there was a period of imprisonment that somehow the witches would cunningly maneuver or that they would that they would get into the mind of the jailers and therefore convince the jailers to let them go or whatever so there was an element of fear about witches in as much as if we got somebody and they were accused of it we'll just kill them we'll just kill them straight because they're no good we'll just kill them straight away and 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 and, I, and I, I'm beginning to realize maybe that's a really distorted view of what what the witches were like and what they actually went through. Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because you would think that if you had if you had someone in your custody who was so powerful that they could murder somebody who wasn't even in the same house as them or the same village or whatever. And they could do all these terrible things. They would go to graveyards and dig up bodies and stick nails through babies and all kinds of horrific things. You would think that if you had to walk with those people for 50-odd kilometres from Pendle to Lancaster Jail, that yeah. something really bad would probably happen to you at their hands on the way because they yeah, could exactly. do things even if they were cuffed and manacled. And yeah. they you would think that they would be able to magically escape jail, etc. And and actually, one, one of the stories that came out, the reason we, we've talked about those four women who were taken to Lancaster Jail first, but while they were in there, it's alleged that on um, Good Friday, instead of being in church like all of the other good Protestant Christians in the country who were being counted, another group of women, including Elizabeth Device, James Device, Catherine Hewitt, who was also known as Mold Hills, and a few other people, and Alice Nutter, who, who is quite a famous person who, who has a statue to her in Rough Lee in Pendle. They met at Malkin Tower, which was reputedly the, ho the home of the witches. And instead of going to church, they had a, a party. They had a witches' Sabbath on, on Good Friday, at which it was alleged in court that they plotted to, to murder the jailer at Lancaster and blow up the jail so that they could they could kind of what's the word they could help their their sisters mothers friends escape so yeah they they on the, on the one hand we we kind of it was this climate in which people believed that those people had so much power but really they were just moldering in a cell with typhoid and yeah it's just really sad and that yeah yeah absolutely you've probably hit the nail on the head their, their biggest crime was probably being poor and a nuisance yeah. yeah it's it's sad and 
you know, we'll, we, we obviously we're not going to move away from those witches, but I, I'm just, I'm just curious today as to the view of witchcraft, which is why I asked you a little bit earlier your opinion on it. So a couple of episodes ago, I think it might have been last year. Now we were joined by a lady by the name of Lily Statham, who goes by the name of Mystic Primrose on Instagram, and she practices witchcraft. We spoke to her about it, and we, I made the faux pas, didn't I, of calling her a white witch? A white witch, yeah. Yeah, which was a, it's not. It was witchcraft that we were talking about. So I, I slapped my wrist for that one. But yeah, it, it was curious because I, I, um, I would say. I, I wouldn't say I was religious massively, hugely, but I certainly am spiritual. And I do believe sometimes that if you wholeheartedly believe in something and you put it out into the universe, that sometimes, you know, those things can come true or you, you can act upon them and the universe acts on your behalf. I don't know. Don't quote me on these things. I am not a flat earther or anything like that. <laughs> don't at me. But I am just curious and I'm open-minded about these matters. Now, we spoke with Lily about it, and she wholeheartedly believes in everything that she, that she does. And I'm just curious, just the juxtaposition between now, where we are more tolerant, I dare say, on these matters than they were back then. What What's your take on it then? What's your take on these people who are practicing this kind of witchcraft today? I think that it's all about intention, and it's about the power of stories and the power of words. And we tend to say now that we don't believe in in anything like that. We're we're very rational. We live in an enlightened kind of scientific climate where where we need to see evidence to believe that something is the truth. We do experiments to prove to prove within our our human boundaries that that we have empirical evidence of things. However. If you perhaps approach the ordinary person on the street and ask them to curse their child or, or say some words that would condemn their child or their relative or their friend or even their enemy to some terrible, terrible fate, they would probably think twice or a hundred times about saying those words because we inherently have something in us that, that makes us believe that our words have power. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. And I don't think it's gone away. I think it's something that we share very much in common with the, with the women of Pendle and, and other people who've been accused of witchcraft or, or magical supernatural practices in the past. And I, th I think that that is inherent within within us as a, a species it's part of being intelligent it's part of having advanced brains that we think that we can influence our environment and essentially that's what witchcraft is all about what are your thoughts gas i know you're I'm not gonna say less spiritual but you're less inclined to perhaps believe in that you? i don't know you you know that if we're talking i mean witchcraft i don't know if we're talking spiritual i mean i'm not I'm not a religious person. If we were talking about the supernatural, you know, my thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. and, and I do think that, that there is an element of there is something out there. I just, I, I think I sort of agree with Lindsay in a way, and as much as I think as a species, we want to hold on to something and we feel as though we have to believe or, or belong to something. And I think, you know, back in the day, 
there were like-minded people that believed in X, Y, or Z, and that just perpetuated people to think that, oh, well, I, I, I sort of think that as well, and, and, and therefore I'll start to do what they do, and, and over days, weeks, months, years, more and more and more people become part of that movement, and you only have to look at what we're like nowadays and just in terms of the movements that we have and the various communities that we have in our society that all believe in a certain, like, like the flat earthers for example you know that there are a number the, the, the scientologists the whoever it may be that, that that feel as though they want to believe in something and what what you do is you then seek out like-minded people and obviously the, nowadays 21st century the world is a much smaller place because you've got the internet you've got communication you've got travel whereas back in the day there wasn't the facility to do that so you would maybe gravitate towards like-minded people that were very much closer to you and, and i just i i just think that it, it would have been a a state of mind as Lindsay said it might have been just we'll, we'll do charms we'll, we'll 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 bless you we'll do this we'll do that and all and just along the way maybe things have just been misinterpreted slightly but but i do think that as a as a species we 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 feel as though we have to sort of belong or conform to certain things maybe you also right like there, to believe yeah. that we have power yeah yeah especially yeah, yeah, yeah. when Absolutely. we when we don't nice yeah it'd be nice to think that we were important despite our it's proved we are quite insignificant to this planet. I, I, I think we are wholly insignificant. <laughs> a in the planet, B in the grand scheme of everything that's out there. I think we are wholly insignificant, but we can just hold on to that tiny, tiny little hope that maybe, maybe we just are. Maybe Tall Boy Radio could be. Well, we do have the power to control our own lives, and even even if you're in a cell, sat in straw, in in your own wee. <laughs> injured and bleeding you you have a choice of how to act towards the others around you 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 can use your words to harm you can you can ill wish you can shout and scream and and vent all the fury that that you may have about your situation there's always something rather yeah, than going gently into that good night as it were no that's it that's it don't was it don't walk away in silence as the old joy division lyrics go so what place in history now? When so locally, obviously, well, we say we've heard of it outside of outside of Pendle, but in Lancashire, these you know, these women are so held with a fondness on there and reflected on as really enriching an important part of its history. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very it's very hard to go anywhere in this in this area without seeing something about the witches. So the, the forest of, of Pendle was a, a, an area between the, the Ribble Valley and um, Blackburn, for example, bordered also by the, the forest of Boland. And it was, it was basically a, a king's hunting ground where the knights of the realm could come and hunt. At, at one time in the past, there would have been wolves and all kinds of deer and, and animals to hunt, wild boar. And, and it was also in that kind of wild and lawless part of Lancashire that, that you described. But the the area ha, has really held on to this this history and culture that's developed out of the the witch trials. So there is the the witch's way, and the you can follow the witch's walk to Lancaster. The signposts have witches on. There there are a number of key villages. So so roughly in Newchurch, for example, in in Newchurch, there's a, a lovely little 
shop called Witches Galore where you where you can go and buy witch dolls and cauldrons and books and and all kinds of things. And that that shop's been been going for for nearly fifty years, I think. So so the witches are everywhere. There's the the Pendle Heritage Centre in Barrowford where you can go and visit the the museum and the 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 gift shop. Even the bus the 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 bus between. I think it's Clitheroe in Manchester is the, the witch way bus and there's a witch on the side of it. So yeah, they're everywhere. And the, the landscape is is also steeped in myths and legends about the devil. So the devil uh, walked on Pendle Hill with an apron full of stones that he, he wanted to throw at Clitheroe Castle, but he was caught out. So he dropped his apron and the stones are still there on the ground for you to see. There, there's all kinds of kind of Stone Age and Iron Age cairns and mounds and things on the hill i mean it's it's probably quite unlikely that the witches ever walked on the hill in the first place because we're, if you're 80 years old and you're a beggar and you you're cold and hungry you don't go for picnics on a on a hill and yeah. you don't go <laughs> on hikes because you don't you, you know you just don't but the hill is such a, a dominant part of the landscape which I've, I've said before there's no escape from it and it's so dark and brooding. I, I was really sad, actually, because um, I watched a little bit, I revisited a little bit of the Most Haunted show. And it was described, the hill was described as having this awful atmosphere of malaise and terrible sadness about it. But it's a stunning place and it's an amazing place to walk. And that the whole area is really beautiful. And for me, it doesn't have that kind of oppressive, haunting atmosphere. No, I, I've been up to the top of Pendle Hill, and you know, this is the days before my knees were completely knackered. I made it up to the top there, and it is a fantastic place. It's a beautiful place. It's a very beautiful part of the country for those who haven't been there. But I was going to ask you about that most haunted and how it represented okay. the area. Whether you thought not, let's not get into the facts of it. Whether you believe in the supernatural or not, but did you agree with the way that it was portrayed? And I'd be, in, I would be interested also to know if there are myths and legends of those witches that are sort of ghost stories nowadays there there are lots of ghost stories around pendle but i haven't actually heard of many ghost stories around the the witches one the, there's one that uh demdike haunts the the well tower at lancaster castle but no ghost stories tend tend to be of other kind of spectres in pubs and things like that rather than than the witches and to, to be honest I haven't the the closest I've ever got to to that most most haunted show was I stood behind Derek Acora in a cash machine queue at Tesco's in Southport once it's <laughs> a story so I don't know an awful lot about it but I, I just <laughs> for me I I'm I'm sitting in a room that's 413 years old with a priest hole and a tunnel underneath and it's really not spooky and Are i you... don't they they went to this place that's now some kind of community center or something and there was a door that fell over and some stuff that banged around and <laughs> and really i i don't know that do you think it's set up is what you're saying awful is it sorry you think it's set up then that's what you're saying don't you I, I think that if there's things there they're probably not witches and but i think that if there are spirits and witches still wandering around that they've got better and more interesting things to do than <laughs> than push doors over and, and catch little glowing balls i don't know <laughs> 
Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Well, I think most of us have more, more to do with our time than that. But funnily enough, <laughs> as you say that, you 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 say you had that lovely experience there with Derek Akora, but uh, <laughs> that feeling lives probably about a mile or two from where we live now. She lives yeah. just down the road from us. Oh, enough. okay. I've never been stuck behind her in a cash machine, though. I should. I should have, have you not? No, I can't claim that. No, I can't. No, I can. That. I can absolutely assure you that Derek Akora did not notice my presence behind him in the, <laughs> in the queue whatsoever. No, he wasn't up to much. I had no impact on his life at all. Dear, 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 dear. So yeah, that's that's interesting then how it's how it's sort of pervaded on into this day. I would be curious to know if there's anybody out there who is watching who has any stories to tell of any sort of spectral appearances of the witches and what have you because i would expect i would expect if ghosts were indeed real and i'm not refuting that they are or saying that they aren't then i would think that these are the sort of folks that would be making a reappearance in our world you know i just feel we're there with their powers if they had them those are the those those tortured souls would maybe maybe be making a reappearance it's strange isn't it because when you when you look at i say ghost stories and and it always, not always, the majority of the time, it is those tortured souls that, you know, those wandering beings that didn't have a home and were ostracised in their community or, you know, that they felt as though they'd been wronged in some way and that they were here to uh, to, to have some justice or, or whatever it may be, you know. And, and I'm sure there are, excuse the expression, there are some light-hearted sort of ghosts around that just want to come and have a laugh sort of thing. But it, it, the ghost stories that, that you get told are always those people who are taught, you know, that they're very tortured souls, aren't they? And, and, and they are associated with being evil and, and you know, the, the, the devil work and demon and all of that sort of thing. So if you were being accused of being a witch and, and, and sort of perpetuating witchcraft, I suppose they would be candidates for making a reappearance at some point in history and people seeing them wandering across, I don't know, a, a street, a yard, a barn, a farm, whatever it may be. Mm. Yeah, interesting. The idea that they're tortured souls kind of perpetuates the the plan of the people who executed them in the first place. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, in England, we didn't burn witches at the stake. We, we hanged them. Um, yeah. But burning at the, at the stake was about getting rid of every last bit of that person's body so that they couldn't be resurrected. So there was literally nothing left of them. So they would be damned to this eternity of floating around and, and what have yeah. you. So so believing that they're now tortured souls kind of drifting around doing bad things and pushing bikes over and, <laughs> and making it's loud okay. noises in the night it is actually the same story that the yeah. perpetrators of, yeah. of those yeah. horrible things um, were, were telling, isn't it? It's odd. We, yeah, it is. And it's yet odd. we still and say it, we don't believe. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's 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 odd, and it and it's and it's very very sad that somebody ever someone ever had to go through that. And and I think the fact that it was so many many years ago, and and opinions were a little bit different, doesn't really change that for me. So that was their fate then, was it? They were all hung, were they? The ones that were They killed. were hanged, yeah. yeah. So the Salisbury wow. witches were acquitted and Isabel mm. Roby from St Helens and the Pendle witches were hanged. There was one, one lady called Margaret Pearson who was accused of riding a mare to death and casting a spell on, on this, this mare. She wasn't hanged. She was sentenced to a year in jail 
and was made to stand in the pillory in four towns. So, so Lancaster, Clitheroe, Padium, uh, which is where she was from, and Worley, I think. So on a Saturday or whenever market day was, she was made to stand in the stocks and had will have had all kinds of abuse and objects hurled at her. Janet Preston was from Gisborne, which is probably about five miles from where I am now, was alleged to have been at the, the Good Friday gathering at Malkin Tower. But because Gisborne at the time was part of Yorkshire, she was taken and tried at the York Assizes and hanged there before the Pendle Witch Trials happened. And then there was Alice Gray, who, who was also acquitted. So some of, some of the, the, the people who stood trial at that time were acquitted. It wasn't 75%, but no. somewhere. That's in, it's interesting, that, because I'd read that someone stood trial in Yorkshire, and I was wondering what the difference was, but obviously you just, you just clarified that for us. So what, what can we learn from this? What, what is the, the lesson that we take away from history? That's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because we still, to a great extent, live in a world where people are persecuted for their beliefs, for their actions, for being different, for standing out, for being poor, for not being outstandingly intelligent. Have we learned any lesson from it other than to look for better evidence than the supernatural? Well. I think you might have a point there. And, and I think that's interesting, like you say, when, when you actually break it down, it really isn't that different. We might have stopped hanging people for it, but we, you know, it's still, it's still almost his own punishment, like you say, being poor, being ignorant, being an ill-informed. It's, we, 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 we still persecute people. We just do it in a different way, don't we? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, and, we do. And, and, and there might not be that corporal punishment, whatever it may be. There might not be the death penalty, but we still persecute people in, 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 in a number of different ways. And we, we, we probably maybe even more so these days, ostracize people from society for for a number of reasons just because either the way they look or for what they say or for their beliefs or whatever it may be. And and I think I think I think it's a little slight on society that we we, we still do those things. But as I say, just the, the means about how society goes about that have now changed. But it, it it's the same as it always has been. Mm. You know, if you say something that some people in don't agree with or you look or you do or whatever it is something different people will view you in a certain way and if the people that are viewing you in a certain way are in a position in order to cast judgment and dispersions on you they probably will do that and therefore you would feel the wrath of that whether it be society government whoever it may be indeed indeed we also have trial by social media don't we we oh, do absolutely yeah, yeah we do and, yeah. and i think we are in a in, in a society now unfortunately whereby you are probably guilty until proven innocent whereas actually it should really be the other way around but i think particularly on, on on a lot of the social media a story gets out there and everybody thinks it's real until the facts come out and actually it's proven not to be and and that surely isn't right no no that isn't so I will be curious then as to where your interest in this comes from. I see there, if you're watching this on the video version, you'll see that next to Lindy's name, as well as a mushroom, is at Pendle Core as well. So do you want to tell us where you got your interest in and, and how that's manifested? So I've always been fascinated in witches and spooky things and spells and things from, from a child. I grew up in Norfolk. So I'm not I'm not native to this area either. 
And one of my favourite things to do was to make black soup in the garden with my sister in little plastic saucepans. And black soup was basically a mixture of black soil and bones and water and any other scummy, hideous, slimy things we could find in the garden. And we, we used to say that it was it was for making spells. And Norfolk has is steeped in kind of a history of the supernatural and myths and legends and black dogs with glowing red eyes and skeletons that ride horses and Roman troops marching across the landscape, all, all kinds of really spooky, ghosty things. Um, so I've always had that, really. I I later um, moved to, to the South and did a degree in English literature and history when I spent rather too much time writing about women in the death penalty but the the witchy thing stayed with me and I, I kind of serendipitously stuck a pin in a map and ended up in a house with a view of Pendle Hill uh, and all of that that came back really. I was a practicing midwife for 20 odd years and a lot of the history of midwifery and healthcare comes from the, these coming women working in their villages, providing remedies, helping people in childbirth, etc. A lot of the medicines that we use in childbirth even now come from plants. So one in particular is something called ergot, which is a fungus that grows on the rye plant. And this fungus depending on the dose, causes the uterine contractions and it, and it prevents postpartum bleeding. So ergot would have been something that people would have known about. And we were always told at the beginning of training that, that midwives would have been burnt at the stake or hanged as witches because of their power. But actually, there's very little evidence that say, to, to suggest that, that kind of respected healthcare people at the time were, were tried. But even now, again, as a, as a healthcare professional, you always have drilled into you that you're accountable as a as a, a, a criminal to, to the courts and to the public. We hear lots of horror stories about healthcare professionals who have caused harm rather than rather than yeah. good. And and I think that has, has always been a, a theme in my my life and my thoughts, if you like. And now I I write zines and I have a website about the Pendle Witches called pendlecore.com and I write some little self-published zines, as they're called, about a fictional witch called Janet Blackthorn who still haunts Pendle to this day. And in each episode, she tells a story of one of the real witches. And I, I, I really want to, to, to tell the truth about that story rather than the sensational door knocking over type aspect yeah. so so Janet also provides little kind of potions and remedies and herbal knowledge and and she she likes to look after the landscape and the animals so she she tells you about owls and bats and wolves and the creatures that that have lived and continue to live in Pendle oh that's fantastic that's fantastic and hopefully some of our listeners will go and seek that out as well so you know pendlecore.com yeah. and that's the website yeah that, that's the website. Splendid, splendid, splendid. So hopefully people will go and seek that out. So we tend to wrap these things up round about the hour mark. So it really leaves us from here to say thank you very much for joining us. And thank you. did you have any final messages, any final thoughts that you wanted to purvey? To our I've listeners got a about final little story that I wanted to share with you, if that's all right. Go for it. And it's, course, hopefully yeah. it won't take longer than a couple of minutes, but it starts with a question. Really quick question. What's the most preposterous excuse you've ever made up for being late home? 
I mean, you've obviously got the, the oh, I was stuck at work or uh, a flat tyre in my car or um, I, I had to go to the pub. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not so much for me like for work, but I genuinely, genuinely did once use the excuse at university that a dog had vomited on my work and I couldn't then hand it in. And I, tragically, I did believe that I would get away <laughs> with that. I did not fool anybody. I take it you didn't. and rightly so as well okay so we talked about janet device and janet was the little nine-year-old girl whose evidence caused well caused her entire family pretty much to be found guilty of witchcraft and murder and to be hanged but janet kind of has a bit of a an extra story along with her before she disappears into the the mists of time so in 1633 a little boy who's about 10 years old was called Edmund Robinson. And he arrived home late for his tea one evening, looking really dishevelled and ragged and just, just like he'd been dragged through a hedge backwards. And his mum and dad were really cross with him for being late home because he needed to go and milk the cows or whatever else he had to do that evening. So he came up with this story. And his story was that he was, he was walking around picking berries and he was going to come home on town on time. But while he was picking the berries, he met a couple of greyhounds. And while he tried to make the greyhounds chase a hare, but they wouldn't. And, and so he tried to send them away. But one of them turned into a witch and the other one turned into the boy, into a boy. And then the one who had turned into witch turned the boy into a horse. <laughs> and she got on the horse and grabbed him and took him off on the horse and galloped across the countryside with him took him away to this barn and inside the barn there was about 60 other witches and fantastic foods were raining down from the from the roof of the barn on ropes there was like roast pork and pumpkins and all kinds of lovely delicious things that that Edmund would would like to eat so he joined in this feast of witches at, at which apparently he he was absolutely terrified and was scared for his soul and just wanted to get back to the safety of his home and his mum and dad and he eventually managed to run away. And while he was running home, he met a boy who had cloven hooves and, and he had to fight him off, which was why he managed to get all his clothes were all torn and ripped. And he was so disheveled by the time he arrived home. And his mom and dad believed him. <laughs> they, thought this, <laughs> they thought this was a perfectly, perfectly adequate reason for being late home for tea on a Tuesday night or whenever it was. And so his dad took him on a tour over the next next weeks of the local churches where he was made to stand at the front of the church and pick out the women who he had seen at this feast. Oh, wow. Uh, which he did, which he did. And this resulted in the trial of about 17, 17 women Four of whom were sent to London because the case was referred to the king himself. He was King Charles at the time. And they were examined by a team of 10 midwives and five, five doctors to determine whether they had witches' marks and things on them. And eventually they, it, it went to trial. Little Edmund was, was questioned and it turned out he, he eventually confessed that he had heard the story of the Pendle witches from 20 years before, thought it was brilliant used it as his excuse at which point his dad had the brilliant idea of blackmailing all of the women that he named 
So if they didn't pay him, they, he would accuse them of witchcraft. And so the whole thing was was thrown out and they, they, they were all acquitted. But one of the people who little Edmund accused was Janet Device. Oh, and wow. so after everything that she'd been through when she was nine, when she condemned her own family to death, she ended up on trial herself for witchcraft. Wow. And at the time, wow. you could only be let out of jail when you'd paid back your... When, while you were in jail, you had to pay for your own board and lodging, such as it was. And so there's no records of her after after the acquittal. So it could be that she stayed in jail forever because she was poor and wouldn't have been yeah. able to afford to get out. She could have died. Nobody knows what happens to her. Wow. Well, that's, that's <laughs> that full circle. Well, that it? is full circle. That is a real turnaround of events. And there was a little bit of justice in that. <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but it certainly seems like my dog vomiting story seems a little bit more reasonable. It should have been at least entertained a little bit more. <laughs> Cool. So, so next time, thank you for... make an excuse up about greyhounds and hares at a feast. <laughs> at least, yeah. I could have put a bit more thought into it, to be fair. I should have probably just put a bit more thought into doing the work in the first place. But yeah, we learn these lessons along the way. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for enjoying this. Thank you very much for that little extra story there. I did really enjoy that one. It was a nice yeah, little a uh, aperitif towards the, the end there of the, the podcast. <laughs> in, yeah, nice, a nice little nightcap. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, did you want to say your goodbyes then to our listeners? Thank you very much for listening this evening. Thank you for joining me from wherever you are in those 61 countries. It's been brilliant to chat to Adam and Gaz, and it's been brilliant to tell some stories. Thank you. Indeed. Indeed. And we've loved having you, haven't we, Gaz? 100%. 100%. Um, lo- loved, loved having you on. I haven't been to Pendle Hill. I will make it. I will end up, I will go there. We, 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 myself and my wife, we, we, we will sort of travel around and we love walking and countryside and stuff. So I will make a point of going there and, and I will see whether or not actually it does dominate the skyline, as you've sort of said. And, and, and I'll try driving around <laughs> it and see whether at one point it's on the right and the next point it's on the left. And, and, and I'll just try and get the bearings around it. But, and I know it's somewhere that obviously you have visited when you were a kid and stuff. So I, I will make it, I will make a point of going there. Yeah, funnily enough, I went there on a school trip and my mum, if she was on this podcast, would recant the story because she finds it hilarious. So I went all the way up <laughs> to the top there and it was like a reservoir or, or, or some big large body of water up there, but I fell in it and I had to sit on the back of the bus <laughs> in my pants on the way home because all my clothes were wet, which in itself was a horrible form of witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that just, yeah. leaves, <laughs> that just leaves it for me then to say goodbye. Thank you very much. To our listeners, one thing I will just do quickly there was just to give a quick shout out to Ollie's guys. We've got a whole lot up to the camera for our listeners. Ollie's-Ollie's.com. Head over to there and you can use the promo code if you're in the UK, Tall Boy Radio, and you will get 20% off your order of your pretzels, chocolate covered pretzels, your olives, and the other one that I can never remember. I think it's a nut mix of some description. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for joining us, Lindsay. I've loved this. I know my mum is going to love listening back to this episode because, like I say, although she is Welsh and very proud to be Welsh, as I'm very proud of my Welsh heritage, she does have a very, very fond memory of that part of the world. So I will say thank you to our listeners and good night. (laughs) 